welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Welcome, everybody. It's so good to have you again for another podcast. And man, I am looking forward to sharing with you the message of today's podcast. I truly believe it speaks to the main thing that most people think about when they're talking about their life and what detours, causes struggles, or may hold them back in their life. You know, many people would answer that question in many different ways, but today we're going to look at the essentials of what it truly means and the one simple rule that there is for this life. So join me on Super Bowl Sunday as we look at the rule of life. But if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, whether it be paper or electronic or whatever it is, I want you to go ahead and get to where we're going to go. We're going to get to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And we're going to get there in a minute. But before we do, I want to give you a reason why I'm not going to ignore the fact that it's Super Bowl Sunday. Because there's some really cool facts that that I think you would be intrigued with. Uh, No greater than the fact that I know I've seen at least two shirts today that says they're they're, they're, they're rooting for Taylor's boyfriend. But it's one of those things that, that, let me give you some fun facts, okay? Fun facts about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, according to different organizations, is the second highest eating day for Americans. It's only behind Thanksgiving. You say, Mickey, prove it, okay? You ready for this? Eight million pounds, eight million pounds of guacamole will be eaten today. (laughs) Are you ready for this? 14,500 tons of chips will be eaten today. And then the one that (laughs) will be at my house, I'm going to contribute. 1.4 billion, T-Hop, billion with a B, right? A billion. 1.4 billion chicken wings will be eaten today. (laughs) Yes, to the chicken wings. I don't like mine too spicy, but I don't want it to be bland, all right? I want to have just a little bit of a kick, but not enough to make me sweat, right? And so it's one of those things. But we we eat, we eat. But here's some other fun facts that I thought you'd get kind of curious about. This particular year, you're going to go and, and, and here's for a lot of people, I don't watch football, but boy, I love those commercials, right? But it's one of those things, are you ready? A 30-second spot this year, a 30-second spot is a jaw-dropping $7 million. So if anybody's wondering why you don't see any churches or anything like that, like, like it's like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Here's some other fun facts. Do you know that, that just for the Super Bowl alone, they give each team 108 footballs? 56 of them are for practice, 56 of them are for the game. So that way they can practice with exactly what they're going to be using in the game. Every one of them has the emblem on it uh, of that particular Super Bowl, and they give them. And I just thought, you know, like like even the small stuff that they think about. The other thing, are you ready? This year they've set a record. The cheapest seat, okay, is my living room, just so you'll know. Like like that's where I'm going to be, all right? 
But if you were wanting to go to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, right, the cheapest seat in the third deck was $5,700. In which some of you are like, well, you know, that wouldn't be too terrible. But listen to this, are you ready? This is astounding to me. But if you wanna be in the good section, where you can actually, like you're a part of it, one of those <laughs> premier sections, you wanna be with Granny in the premier section? Like she said yes, but she don't know what it's gonna cost yet. I wanna see if she says yes after I give this number. $75,000 per ticket. Where you at, Granny? <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you know what I've realized? Anybody come over to my house, they're going to have to pay because the way I look at it, I'm pretty cheap, <laughs> right? But listen to what else. Here's what's crazy. Are you ready? When you think about $75,000, my buddy Eric over here, first Super Bowl, Green Bay Packers versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs lost. Just saying. The Chiefs lost. A ticket for that Super Bowl, $6. Now, you'd say, well, but Mickey, a lot of things have changed. Yes, but we're talking about $6 and $75,000. Like, yes, there's a thing called inflation, but that is crazy. Let me give you some more funny facts. National Anthem, National Anthem. Longest one ever done was actually last year with Alicia Keys. She did two minutes and 35 seconds. The average length is one minute and 50 seconds. And tonight, you're gonna be able to see Miss Nashville herself, Reba McIntyre, singing the national anthem. Halftime shows. Everybody's like, man, I bet these people. No halftime artist ever gets paid to perform at the Super Bowl. Every single one of them has always been for free. But they do it because of statistics like this. Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, their Spotify plays jumped up 230 to 333%. The largest halftime performance ever, the largest was 1993. It actually got a higher viewing than the game itself. And his name was Michael Jackson. And you say, Mickey, you know a whole lot of information. Why in the world are we talking about all this? And just so you know, tonight, it's Usher, in which we all go, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, I crossed the line there. Sorry, Lord, forgive me. Sorry. But you say, Mickey, why have all this information? Why have all this stuff? Okay, let me just give you one more piece, and then we're going to dive into God's Word, because there's a point to this. The top 30, the top 30 most viewed television broadcast in the history of television, the top 30, 22 of them are the Super Bowl. In fact, once you get to the top 10, number 10 is Richard Nixon's impeachment speech, and then nine through two are all different Super Bowls. In fact, 
I'll, I'll give you intrigued. If you're wondering, like, well, Mickey, kind of what makes the list, okay? Well, here's some things that didn't make the list, okay? You had people like Dallas in 1980. They had the Who's Done It episode, in which if you're a little bit older, we all remember that. Who shot JR? Okay, they turned around in that particular episode, and they had 83.6 million views. Another, they didn't even make the list. Did not even make the list. Another one most recently would have been the Seinfeld finale. And that one is the most recent in 1998, and they had 76.3 million. The only thing that's come close as far as a sporting aspect was a fight between Leon Spinks and Muhammad Ali, and it was the second fight. And then there was this figure skating where this lady got hit with a pipe, and everybody wanted to know in 1994 who was gonna win the figure skating championship. But outside of that, the highest rated television ever happened, and it comes in at number 13. And it happened in 1983, had 105.9 million views, and it was MASH's Goodbye, Farewell, So Long episode. See, most of the time, the only thing that hit this list was the Super Bowl. Now, a little bit of parody here that I laugh about. What slid in at number 29 was O.J. Simpson being chased. I was like, <laughs> like we are some weird people, aren't we? But 22 of the 30 are Super Bowls. Number two was last year, 115 million. Number three, 114 million. Number four, 112 million. And it just keeps going and going and going. Remember when I said Michael Jackson? They, he actually came in at number 15. The only halftime that made the list. You say, well, Mickey, you said it's the second most watched. What was the first? You'll be intrigued to know this because we did a series and I showed this clip. But the first thing, the highest rated, they don't even put a number on it. They say it's somewhere between 120 and 150 million people but it was the Apollo landing on the moon. Outside of that event, nothing trumps the Super Bowl. Again, you say, well, Mickey, what's the point? I promise there's a point, because here's what's really cool to me. There's gonna be literally millions of people gathering around TVs watching a football game. And it's the same football game that on Friday night, you can go right down here to Bradley Stadium. You can go right over here to Cleveland High School, Raider Field. You can go right up the road to the Corral at Walker Valley. You can go over here to the middle schools. You can even show up on a Saturday and watch the young kids. And guess what? They're all playing the same exact game. Like, this is gonna blow your mind, but you literally are gonna watch a game that's played on a field that's the exact same size as this high school field right here. The only thing that's different is, yes, I know that as professionals, they've made it a little bit tougher. You now got to get two feet down, not just one. You know, there's some different little adjustments. But all in all, the game has not changed. Even the football being used at a certain level never changes again. The only thing that changes, listen, please, this is key. The only thing that changes is the circumstances that are around it. And when the circumstances and around it change, all of a sudden we have a tendency to take what is not changing and make it become something that it's not. Travis Kelsey, AKA Taylor's boyfriend, did an interview this week and he made this comment. He said, when it's all said and done, you have to learn 
that it's a game that you've played since you was a little kid and you just gotta go play the game. But here's what I wanna dive into God's word. Listen to me. Circumstances may change in your life, but don't let the circumstances distort what life's about. It's no different than this Super Bowl. It's a bunch of grown men getting paid a whole lot of money to play a game that little kids pick up at eight, nine years old in their backyard. The only thing that has changed is the circumstances in which it's being viewed. And I believe, this is an opinion, I believe that there's not a better quantitation for our lives this morning. No matter where you're at in life, whether you're one of these amazing students who's like, man, I'm just excited and I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm, I'm kind of moving from being a child to an adult and I'm trying to figure out how that works, whether you're in your 20s and you're trying to figure out what's next, whether you just got married and you're going, okay, now what do I do? Just had a child and you're going, wow, this is awesome and great. Will I ever sleep again? Whether you've had multiple kids, whether you're past the children's stage and now you're in grandson, whether you're retired, and everything has a way of happening. But guess what? The keys to life has never changed. Just like with a football game where the rules haven't really changed that much, guess what? I... Put it down. Go MGM bet or what? I don't know what them things are. Whatever the people bet on, I guarantee you, whoever scores the most points tonight will win the game. Mark it down. You can take it to the bank. See if Vegas will let you put some money on that one. It doesn't matter how many turnovers. It doesn't matter how many yards. The bottom line is at the end of the day, whoever scores the most points will win the game. And there's only three ways you can score points. Either by a touchdown Either by a field goal, field goal could be extra point or for three point, or by a safety. That's the only three ways you can score. There's no other way that you can score. There's not going to anybody says, well, hey, listen, I had a really long reception. I got tackled on the one, but do I get a little bit of points for that? Nobody changes the game. The rules are the rules. And guess what? In life, God has given us a very, very simple rule. And I just want you to kind of hone in with me for literally 15 minutes. Because I want you to know that no matter what's happened in your life, the rules of the game have not changed. They're found in the Gospels with an argument that's taking place. And they're talking about who's the greatest. And God literally tells them the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. From that, we get the concept to love God and to love people. And that really is the basic rules of life. But I want to go a little bit further today to help you understand what it means to love God and love people. It's found in Mark, where I told you to go earlier, Mark chapter 8. And listen to what God's Word says. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34. And calling the crowd to him when his disciples, uh, with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Can I just pause for a second? That that you see on the screen is the basic rule of life. You have a choice. You can love God or you can choose to love yourself. To be honest with you, that's Three, really two, one. Good morning, Crossroads. We are so the reason why they don't love the true God is because the true God requires sacrifice. Most of the other things, you're getting something out of it. And you love yourself more than you love to submit to something being an authority over you. 
And that's the reason why he says what he says. What are the three things? He says, deny himself. Just think about it. It's a basic rule. You hear me say this all the time. Do not live life simply for yourself. I had an ethical dilemma this morning, and I guess I failed miserably, but at the same time, I don't really care. Because I was like, hmm, should I eat one of them chocolate donuts at hospitality or should I not? And I walked down there, and they already had them cut in half. And I thought, well, I'm not eating a whole donut. So technically, no, I'm not going to eat a whole chocolate donut this morning. I will stop at a half, right? But there comes a point in life that when you're wanting to get to the things that God wants you to get to, that you learn to say, you know what? It's not about what I want. It's what do I want to become. It's not about what I need. It's what do other people need me to be. I had the opportunity to speak at Lake Forest this past week for SCA. It's always a fun time with some amazing students. And, and then I went and prayed over their, their choir that was leaving, Revolution. And, and, and I just unintentionally just made this thing fly out of my mouth, and I wouldn't even know what I was talking about. But after I said it, I was like, hmm. And I told all those guys, I said, listen, in the process of doing something, make sure you're being something. And I think that's what I would tell each one of us. When he talks about you got to deny yourself, what he's talking about is at some point, you've got to be willing to say no so that you can say yes. The second thing he says is what? Deny yourself and take up your cross. Now, so many people have said so many different things about what it means as far as take up your cross. They automatically think about the crucifixion of Christ. But the reality is, is, is the crucifixion of Christ, the sacrifice, yes, there's an aspect of sacrifice that's there. But you know what it's really talking about? What do we find our freedom in? The cross. And when it's saying take up your cross, what it's talking about is are you willing to deny yourself and hang up that old man so that you can get forgiveness for what you're lacking and find freedom in Jesus Christ? It's not an oppression statement. It's a freedom statement. Like he wants us to not only deny ourselves, but he wants us to have freedom from the things that will hold us back and to be able to pursue him. It's a tie-in to the deny himself. Most of the things you're gonna deny yourself from are the very things that are gonna entrap you. Can I talk to some of my people in the room that have struggled with the addiction world? You know what I'm talking about more than anything, don't you? Whether it be a nicotine, whether it be an alcohol, whether it be some sort of substance or pain pills, whatever it may be, you know what I'm talking about. Because to deny yourself, it's not that like, oh, I don't have anything. And to sacrifice, it's actually where you find your freedom. All of a sudden, you don't have these struggles. All of a sudden, you don't have these walking around, worried about where the lights are, driving down the road, worried about what car's behind you. All of a sudden, you find freedom because you know that, listen, there's nothing that I have to be afraid of because my sins are forgiven. I've denied myself. I've taken up my cross. I've accepted Christ my Lord and Savior. And now I can live in that freedom. And then he follows it up with, and follow me. Can I give you a very simple illustration of this? Most people struggle in this life is when circumstances hit, rather than following God, they try to lead themselves. I've said this from this stage before, and I don't mean it being rude or crude. I just want it to be a thought. There is one common denominator to every single poor decision you've ever made in your life. 
it's you. And whenever you are the one that's in charge and you are the one that's leading, don't be surprised when you get somewhere and go, wow, this is not really where I wanted this to go. That is who you are. That is who I am. I have been a part of every single poor decision in my life. And so it lets me know when he says, follow me, it's an aspect of who is in charge. I'm gonna deny myself, I'm gonna take up my cross with freedom, and I'm gonna let Jesus be in charge, and I'm gonna follow him. That is the game plan. That is the rules of this life. In fact, I love how Paul goes a little bit further in the next verse, because he gives you a little bit more understanding. There's a paradox here. He's gonna use in the Greek, it's the same word life, Zoe, but it's used a little bit different. One life is referring to Zoe like, like this earthly life. One life is referring to eternal life like relationship with Christ. And listen to what he says. Very simple in the next verse. For whoever would save his life, that's the earthly life. He shall lose his life. That's the heavenly life. But listen to what he keeps saying. This is where it gets good. But whenever you lose your life for my sake and the gospel, you will save it. If you have a paper Bible, underline the words, my sake and the gospel. I think we're always talking about, you know, a lot of people quote this, right? To lose my life is to gain it, but to gain my life is to lose it. And it's like, what does that mean? But the reality is it's not just about losing your life, it's losing your life for the appropriate thing. There's a lot of things that you should be willing to forfeit your life to. I have five children. I have forfeited my life to those five children. Not that I'm horrible, bad, like I don't have anything. My kids got it all. No, when I had kids, they became a bigger priority than my own wants and needs. There's a lot of times I was at a ballpark for two or three days. I was doing different things. My schedule wasn't my schedule. You say, Mickey, what are your thoughts about that? Listen to me. If you're a parent in the room, let me give you a little bit of words of advice from somebody that, that's in the middle of it and already completed it twice. As long as it seems in the beginning, at the end, it seems like the shortest stage of your life. Parenting is a season. I encourage you to enjoy it. Does that mean I forfeit everything that's of worth in my life just to be a parent? No, because if your main calling was to be a parent, then you would be a parent forever. But a parent's job is to what? I'm gonna love you so that I can let you go. Like, I love you at 14, but at 34, you, like, you got, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's an equipping. And it's not that we don't help our adult children. It's not that we don't help them through tough times. It's not that we're not there for them. But it's one thing, you're, you're trying to encourage them. Listen, it's the same sort of concept. It's trying to figure out how do I, I live this life and in the process not try to gain everything in this world because I want to gain something bigger that's in heaven. And then listen to what he finishes up with, and I'm going to go to one other scripture, and I'm done. He says this in verse 35. For what, did, two great questions. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in return for his soul? And those are rhetorical questions. Jesus, it wasn't like Jesus was asking them, saying, hey, anybody got an answer here? He was wanting them to think. Like at the end of the day, what does it profit a man or a woman 
to gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul. And you go, well, I, 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 don't, I don't know that it does. I don't know that it profits me to gain everything I've ever wanted, but yet lose my own soul. Well, then can I ask another question that's not in God's word? Then why do you live like the things in this world are more important than the feeding of your soul? I'll tell you why. Because you live in America. And again, they want to change the circumstances. Now, don't mishear me. You will never find a more patriotic person than me. That's not a bash on the United States. That's a reality of the way we portray things. It goes back to the Super Bowl, right? It's the same football game. It's just the circumstances have changed. Listen to me. Don't let the circumstances in this life make you change what the rules of this life are all about. It's truly about, at the end of the day, where are you going to spend eternity? And then I love what he says here at the end. Then I'm gonna go to Galatians. Listen to what it says. He said, for whoever is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father. And what he's talking about, and a lot of people have twisted this, but it's very simple. You cannot say that God is number one in your life, but then when people talk to you about it, you're ashamed about him being number one. It's so crazy to me because just, just mark it down. I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl tonight. I know who I hope will win, but I don't know who would win. You say, Mickey, well, if you knew, what would you do? If I knew, I, we would be building a church on Thursday. But I don't know. But I can guarantee you this. If the 49ers win, you're going to see people that are 49er fans that you didn't even know watched football. And if the Chiefs win, you're going to hear everybody with Mahomes and Kelsey and all, all over again. And you say, how long will it last until the next team comes and competes for the Super Bowl? Like, I, I want to chase a real quick rabbit. We just came out of one of the most historic championship runs in football that we've ever seen. A gentleman that played, then 20 years of him playing football, 10 years he was in the Super Bowl and won it six times. But he retired. And as soon as he retired, isn't it amazing in one year how quickly he's forgotten? Now, not in this country. Why? Because he's the guy that robbed Peyton Manning of all those championships. And you say Tom Brady around here, oh, he's just not that... He's the best there ever was. But it's amazing how people jump on bandwagons, isn't it? And so I, I want to close by reading Galatians just to make you, here's what I'm trying to say. Straight out of God's word, Galatians chapter two. Listen to what it says, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, to me, that is the key. That is the rule of life. 
No matter what your circumstance, Mickey, you don't understand, I had death in my life. I, I do understand I've had the same death. Mickey, you don't understand I've had addictions in my life. I do understand. I've struggled with some of those things before. You don't understand I've had relationships. I understand. Like, I, no matter what the circumstances are, I just don't want you to lose sight that it's still the same game called life. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, I'll prove it to you. You say, Mickey, who do you want to win tonight? Not even a close second. I hope the 49ers absolutely throttle them. And it's not because I'm against the Chiefs. It's because of one simple factor that I'm so enthralled with that's a part of history tonight. And it's actually the reason why I believe that some of you are gonna leave here today and go, well, now that I know that, I don't think that I can actually root against this guy. Because see, tonight, you have for the very first time, Mr. Irrelevant playing a significant role. You say, Mickey, well, that's an awesome name. How did somebody get the name Mr. Irrelevant? Well, in the NFL, they have a draft, and the draft is picked every year. And at the end of the draft, the last pick of the last round, the gentleman gets a brand-new jersey, and it has the number 222 because that's the number he was picked. And on the top of it, it says, Mr. Irrelevant. They used to give this out when the draft was longer. It started several years ago, and they actually would give him a trophy, and he actually would be invited to a golf tournament that was held every year where all the different Mr. Irrelevants would gather. But Mr. Irrelevant was basically this terminology where people are saying, listen, you made it, but you're never going to make a difference. You're irrelevant. You're the last pick of the draft. Well, that was true until a few years back when somebody with Tom Brady, with the New England Patriots, played defensive tackle, and he actually made it to the Super Bowl. And he won the Super Bowl, and he ended up getting himself a ring. And he was the first Mr. Irrelevant to ever get a Super Bowl ring. But then a few years back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there was actually a Mr. Irrelevant that actually was able to play in the game. Ironically enough, the quarterback of that game, Tom Brady. The team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it was the kicker, in which everybody laughs because it's like, <laughs> like kicker's not really a football player. But tonight, you have a Mr. Irrelevant playing. And not only is he playing, he's the first Mr. Irrelevant to play in a significant starting position. Some people would say it's the most significant position in all of the game. His name, Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant, last pick, 2022. Tonight, starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. If you ever take time to listen to him, he absolutely is enthralled, not with his ability, but with his Savior. He talks about Jesus all the time. Phenomenal guy, phenomenal character. You say, Mickey, what do you hope? I hope he sets a record. I hope he's the MVP of the game, and I hope that everybody turns, because when he's put on that platform, I can go ahead and tell you what he's gonna talk about. And the reason why I'm so enthralled with this is because, to be honest with you, it's really not about the Super Bowl. It's not about you guys that are Kansas City fans. Look, I love you. I just, like, I, there, there's, like, history. There's purpose. And the reason why I'm so enthralled with this is because he is me, and he is you. See, most of us in life, the reason why we have struggled 
is because people have been defining our circumstances. And we let people put names on us. Names like Mr. Irrelevant. Names like Unworthy. Names like Disqualified. And rather than focusing on what's actually going on in the simple game that we've been taught to play called life through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we allow the world to start defining and we let it become something bigger than what it is. And then all of a sudden we start thinking, you know what? Who am I? Who am I to ever have a significant role in this life and in other people's lives? I'm not saying this because I know anything. I'm saying this because of the stage that's set because I want you to hear something. Listen to me. And in your life, God can still do something huge. But it starts with you allowing yourself to look past the circumstances that your life. You know, I don't know of anything that I've seen that has detoured or taken away or caused a distraction in people's lives more than the circumstances that are involved in people's lives, surrounding people's lives, or have been a part of the past of people's lives. And today, I truly pray, just like we talked about, that you'll realize that this game really has a simple rule. Love God and love people. As always, if you want more information about the ministries that put this podcast out, you can go to crossroadscommunitychurch.com. There's many ways that you can connect with us. And I also want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity, you can click on the Give button and support this ministry. As always, if this message spoke to you, please share it on your social media platforms. Until next time, be blessed.